trouble for a long time. <laughs> Just kidding. What a blessing. Well, of course, I have a message here for Mother's Day. I encourage you to stand in God's honor. I want to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we can be here today. Lord, we are grateful you are among us. You tell us where two or three or more come together in your name, Lord. You're there. Father, may we worship you, our hope, our God. And Lord, as we think about our moms and our grandmothers, those precious ladies in our lives, Lord, it gives us just a glimpse of you. So, Father, may we just turn to you as we think about that precious love in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I don't know what got into me. You know, sometimes as a preacher, you you got stuff, you prepare, and all of a sudden God just kind of jumps on you and said, uh, I want you to go a little bit different route than what this morning. I was... Uh, thinking this morning we talk about Mother's Day and we play it safe we picture our mothers as these perfect people who held us when we were hurt who just was always there and loved us and I'm not saying that's not true but seldom do we get a little vulnerable seldom do we stop and get honest about some of the hurts because there's a lot of wounded people out there because things weren't perfect when we were growing up we're all broken we're all sinners and I know I've told you guys some of, of my own experience but I didn't understand growing up things about my mom because my mom was sick mom couldn't do a lot of things that we've talked about this morning sometimes mom was just struggling to make it through the day she was on a lot of medication she slept a lot and she loved me but there were just things I didn't I just didn't understand and it didn't become clearer to me I guess till you know later on when I grew up and began to understand that she was sick 
when I say sick, she, she struggled with, with some mental illness issues. And we're so afraid, man, if people find out this stuff about me, they're not going to like me, or they're going to think I'm weird, or, or they're going to think that, you know, um, oh, poor Todd. Well, what it, look, guys, in one way or another, we all have a story of people in our lives that we love that struggled. I saw that for years with mom, and it, it broke my heart. And there were things about her. So we're all so complicated. Mom's also, I think, the funniest person I've still ever met. She was so funny. But she also struggled with so many demons, guys. Depression. And, and I say that, I, I think God must want me to talk about this for some reason, because I think, you know, I'm not the only one here. Maybe it's not your mom, but maybe it's another person that you that you deeply love that is struggled and is struggling. It's okay. God loves us all. Weirdos and all, and we're all weirdos in some fashion. Uh, you know, I, I, I talked to my sister not too long ago, and she had told me, and I never realized this, because mom, when she was sick, she was staying with my sister in Georgia, and she died, and I didn't get there in time. I was on the road. And I'll never forget, I just, man, I just, grief, for those of you who've gone through grief, it just hits you in waves. You're okay one minute, and the next minute, <laughs> tears are flowing, and uh, deep emotions, and you're kind of going just haywire in your mind. And I didn't know, though, through all this of course, I got there late, and I got the joy as a preacher. So many of the people I love who have died, I did. I was involved in my mom's funeral, my dad's funeral, my grandmother's funeral, <laughs> my aunt's funeral. Um, but I didn't learn until recently something went wrong in my mom's care, and she died a very painful death, and I didn't know that. But you know, in some ways, I've thought about she lived with so much pain. Life isn't perfect. Yes, we are to live in the joy of the Lord. Yes, we are to walk in submission to His Spirit. Yes, we got it great. But yes, we can hurt. And we can struggle. I could go on with this, but I won't. I'll get into the rest of my message. But I just wanted to share with you. If you're facing something, man, the church doesn't need to be the place where we're afraid to tell one another. If you're hurting, think of someone you love here and let them pray with you. All right, uh, jump into our text here it opens up and Paul is talking about his young preacher that he has grown to love and he calls him my true son there's a closeness that has evolved between Paul and young Timothy uh, I think not only did they share the preaching of the gospel but they were like father and son they just love being together 
and as he reflects on his son in the faith, Timothy, he remembers his grandmother and his mother and the huge impact they had upon his life. And we're going to look at three areas this morning of that impact. The first one I want to acknowledge is tenderness in Timothy's life. Look at verse 4. Recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So Timothy was one of these guys, I'm sure he had a toughness about him, but he also had a softness about him. I think of Carl Sandburg, where I grew up in Hendersonville, North Carolina, there's a park, uh, uh, Carl Sandburg's home is there, and he was an American poet and author, and uh, moved here, uh, moved to Flat Rock, North Carolina from another state, but he's probably best known for his biography on the 16th President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. And he has this great description of Abraham Lincoln in that book where he refers to him as velvet steel. There, there was a, a toughness about Lincoln where he could handle the criticism and make decisions that were necessary, although they were very difficult. But there was also a softness about Abraham Lincoln where he was known to have a compassion people. He was known to visit soldiers on both sides who were wounded. He had a compassion. So did Timothy. Uh, Paul says, I remember when you cried. Man, I am grateful. And, and, and through the years here, I've known a bunch of guys here. And I, I think I tend to be one of those softies too that Sometimes cry, and it's okay. It's not a sign of weakness. There is a sign of strength in a man who sees someone hurting and feels it, cries. Uh, some of us, this is embarrassing, but I'll share it, can cry at movies that are kind of sappy. Movies like While You Were Sleeping, George, you and I cried. And uh, so <laughs> we've shared some of these things. But there are two possible instances that Paul is thinking about when he recalls the tears of Timothy. One of those was when he was installed as the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And I'm sure Paul was proud. Some of those tears uh, that Paul may have shed at that time was, man, look what, here he is, man. Now he's a pastor in his own church in Ephesus and God is moving in his life. This is awesome stuff, you know. But it was also tears of... Uh, not going to get to see him much. Right? I remember uh, Cindy and I have never, well, it seems like never. This is part of being a pastor living in other places. You don't get to see your own family nearly as much. And we'd go see her family or my family. And oh, it was, it seemed like, you know, you go for a week and the first half of the week I'm sitting around thinking, oh, need something to do, and then, you know, kind of, then by the end of the week, I'm actually kind of enjoying it a little bit, and then it's time to go, and I have to fight back all these tears of, oh dear, I'm not, you know, when I go get to, I'm not going, when am I going to see him, be another year. The other example is found in Acts chapter 20, and Paul is gathered with other pastors, and they're at the beach, uh, Stephanie, you know where, where your mom is. 
uh, at the beach and and you know but it's it's a great time that they're together but a lot of tears flowed tells us in Acts 20 because they're not going to see Job and Paul even says this will be the last time you see me Paul knew his death was not far off Roman authorities were closing in upon him as he boldly preached the gospel and his days were numbered and so maybe Timothy was there with the other pastors and as they embraced, he said, man, I love you guys. See you in heaven. We don't really know exactly uh, what event he may have been referring to, but Timothy was a guy who was not afraid to cry when it was needed. Secondly is godliness. Look at verse 5 as uh, his grandmother and mom were remembered. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Acts 16, we catch a nugget of truth that gives us some insight into Timothy. It says that his mother was a devout Jew and his dad was a Greek. Matter of fact, we discover in the book of Acts that as Paul took Timothy later on his missionary journeys as an adult, he had to be circumcised um, in order to uh, be able to serve where they were going uh, to meet that Jewish custom. So, you know, even though his mother was Jewish, why, why was he not circumcised according to that ritual? Well, probably because his dad was a Greek. He said, no son of mine is going through that. That's not part of, you know, what we had to grow up with what we had to endure, so Timothy's not going to endure that. Her name, Eunice's name, literally means one who conquers well, or one through whom comes a good victory. She was one of those moms who had to be the spiritual leader in the home because she didn't have the support of her husband. She was one of those moms who just kept pushing through, just kept doing what was in obedience to the Lord. I'm sure sometimes she thought, God, what am I going to do? Or, God, did I screw this up? <laughs> and yet, God would move through her life and through the grandmother's life to make a big difference. Matter of fact, Paul came to Lystra, and evidently that first time he came there, Lois or Eunice got saved anyway. They ended up both loving the Lord, godly women, and they impacted Timothy's life. He came back a second time years later, and he saw how Timothy had grown and how he loved the Lord. And as a matter of fact, there was a bond, and he said, I see Jesus in this guy, and God's called him to preach, and he needs to come with me. And, and, and so <laughs> they came together, and they agreed, and Timothy would go, and he would serve alongside Paul the Apostle. G. Campbell Morgan, uh, a preacher in England of another generation. The thing I always remember about um, G. Campbell Morgan, he had four sons, and they all became preachers. Can you imagine? <laughs> they ate Thanksgiving, all the preacher stories. So one day it was said they, uh, they came to a family event where the whole family was together and said, who's the best preacher in the family? They figured they'd either say dad or, you know, maybe the oldest brother. 
but they all in agreement said, Mom, she's the greatest preacher because, boy, does she live it out. G. Campbell Morgan himself said, Mom is where I first heard the Bible stories. Mom is where I first prayed with someone or heard the prayers of someone. At 10 years old, G. Campbell Morgan went and he heard D.L. Moody preach and he was really moved. He thought, wow. And, uh, but that's not where he first learned to love the Lord was with his mom. Matter of fact, from 10 to 13, he preached his first sermon at 13 before people. You know where he did it before that? He got all his sister's dolls lined up and he worked on getting them saved. <laughs> you know, preaching the gospel to them. Godliness. It says here the term genuine faith. And it's a picture of faith that's real. And that's more needed than ever before. People need to know that we're just not a religious group. That we don't just come together because we follow a bunch of rules that makes us better than those outside this building. No, that's not what it's about. It's a sincere walk with Jesus Christ that connects us directly with the living God. Where there is forgiveness where there is wisdom, where there is help by the Holy Spirit who lives in us and comforts us and guides us, and that this is a way of life. It is life. Christ is life. Godliness is apparent. You know, it, Jesus talks about those who criticize him and, and even those who said, I'm with you face to face, but behind, behind the back it was a different story. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That wasn't Timothy. His heart and his mouth were in alignment, no matter where he was. Okay, I've got one more here, a third one. Boldness. Verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hand. Why did he write these words to Timothy? Uh, well, there's a couple of ideas here. One idea is Paul suffered a lot for preaching. As a matter of fact, when he wrote these very words, he was more than likely in prison. He had been beaten. He was suffering. And maybe Timothy was thinking this through. Is this really what I want for a life profession? <laughs> I mean, there's the guy I respect most of all. I'd look at him sitting in jail and suffering. Another idea, possibly, is maybe he just needed to be encouraged. I mean, let's face it. No matter how much we love Jesus, as that hymn says so beautifully, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, sometimes we just lose the fire. Sometimes the gift may be there, but it needs to be fanned into flame because the flame has gone down... And you're just looking for the embers to make sure it's still lit. So whichever cause, Paul was trying to remind Timothy, you are called. You are, you are God's man regardless of, of any discouragement, any, any sense of, is this right for me? Understand, you are, you are called of God. We all see it. 
We're behind you. We support you. We love you. We're praying for you. In the idea of laying on of hands, he may have been saying, remember the time that the godly men gathered around you. And hopefully maybe the godly women as well, you know, that they all gathered around, laid hands upon Timothy as a confirmation, as a way of saying, hey, God, we see God in you. We affirm the fact that God has called you. Maybe he was trying to remind Timothy of those important truths. Stir up that gift of God which is in you. Recall, remember, God has spoken. God has a mission for you, Timothy. Paul and Timothy served together in Athens and Corinth and Jerusalem and Philippi and Ephesus 11 times in the New Testament. He is mentioned, of course, 1 and 2 Timothy, two letters that were written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy to encourage him. Oh man, as parents, what a difficult job. What a difficult job for a mom and, uh, and for grandmothers as well. Um, Psalm 127, I'm going to read a couple of verses. This is Psalm 127, 3 and 4. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. One commentator translated verse 3 as children are an assignment from the Lord. I kind of like that picture. God has brought this child into your life and He's given you an assignment to invest your life into this child. Uh, God has given you that job for that time. He says they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. An arrow has a designated job to be shot at a specific target. And the idea here is that you know where the target is. And in order to hit the target, you need to have hit the target before. So the picture here is to be a godly mom, to be a godly parent, to let others see what the target is that your children can see. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to love Jesus. This is what it really looks like. And that is the job to have that type of influence, that type of impact. And Paul said, hey, this type of faith lived in your mother and your grandmother, and I see it now in you, Timothy. You know what? That kind of walk with Jesus, it's daily. It's every day. I heard someone say, and boy, there's a lot of truth to it. There's two ways to face each day. Either we get up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. Or we say, good Lord, it's morning. Man, may we live that first way and not get bogged down in the second way. Okay, let me close this thing out here. I'm Psalm 5.3, morning by morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Morning by morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. That's the spirit he wants us to have each morning. A spirit of expectation. God, what are you going to do today? God, I just want to have this conversation with you, which means I don't do all the talking. I need to listen to what you want to say to me as each day starts. A group of second graders were asked 
Why did God make mothers? And here's just a couple of the answers real quick. She's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. All the truth there. Second one, mostly to clean the house. Okay, well, that does never end. It always goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Uh, I like this one, though, this third one. To help us out when we're getting born. <laughs> and I'd like to say a, a mother finds out that that job continues. She finds herself trying to get her kids out of tight spots. And I don't think it ever ends. I always think of our dear friend who died years ago. Who He was in his 60s and his mother was in her 80s. And she would worry about him uh, at church on Sundays because she was afraid he wouldn't go home and take a nap. And she said he really needed a nap. I thought, man, it never ends, does it? <laughs> never ends. You know, I started this talking about uh, moms who struggle with their own personal struggle, their own personal de demons. Another struggle... Not all moms have children who are following Christ. Many moms have children who are prodigals. Either they're running the other direction away from God or they've met God. They took that first step of faith in Christ, but now they're not walking with Him. And it hurts. I just want to close by giving some encouragement to some of you moms who may be listening through the internet or here today. It's from a, a book from a, out of a far-off country written by a mother and son, um, Angela Wan and her son Christopher. Christopher um, became involved in the homosexual community and was very promiscuous and then he got involved in drugs, and then he got involved in selling of drugs, and just that whole lifestyle, and he was very close to his mom. She would try to reach out to him. He's close. He was angry a lot. If he mentioned God too much, he knew that tempers would flare. So finally she decided... Uh, I need to talk to God right now before I talk to Christopher again. So she said, I just turned my focus upon God instead of where my son was. And I want to read to you, this is from the book that uh, they wrote together. This is one of Angela's chapters. I started fasting and praying, asking God for wisdom and discernment. I had no idea what it would look like. But I had a clear sense that Leon and I needed to step aside and get out of the way so that God could work in Christopher's life. When Christopher was three months away from graduating from dental school, he learned he was expelled because of his foolish, illegal, and sinful choices. His parents went to meet with the dean. Both the dean and the son expected the senior ones to put pressure on the school. But instead... Angela said this. Actually, it's not important that Christopher becomes a dentist. What's important is that Christopher becomes a Christ follower. Leon, Leon and I have flown down to Louisville to tell you, 
I looked over at Leon, she says, that we will support whatever decision you make. I only pray that my son will turn to God. I'd love to say at that point things got better, but uh, Christopher ended up in prison. And it was there that he met Christ. He got out of prison, and then he managed uh, to get into Moody Bible College. And of course, you know, it was interesting with his prison record and everything else. But he came and he had to write something uh, to the school, and, and they looked at his situation, and then he shared his testimony, and then God began to move with people who deal with this stuff and how God had worked in Angel and Christopher's life. And then they began to travel around the country and wrote this book out of a far country. And so I share this with some of you who, for whatever reason, maybe you're down because um, your children or grandchildren are at a place you don't want them to be, okay? It's so beautiful to read stories about Christopher where they come home. Prodigals come home. Remember that. Let's pray. Lord, um, I am so grateful for my mom. Lord, I it, confess at times uh, as a child, especially, I didn't understand a lot of what was going on. And I still don't understand the depth of her pain. Um, I know she loved me and I love her, Lord. That's what she did the best she could with what she had, I think. Oh, Father, we all need you. We need a Savior. We all need to be forgiven because we're all broken. And the question is, will we let you, the divine healer, heal us? <laughs> you want to, Lord, I know you do. Father, may we respond to your healing invitation to come and to be healed by the power and spirit of God. One at an old rugged cross by Jesus Christ. Um, and Lord, for those whose loved ones are prodigals, and when, Lord, when will they come to you? And Father, just minister to these, Lord, that are hurting. Father, and we just are grateful <laughs> for the memories we have of our moms, whether they're uh, in heaven now or or whether they're still here, or whatever the circumstance, Father, thank you for love shown to us by Mom. Father, we just worship you, and we ask in the time that remains, you've gotten a hold of our hearts, and we need to come before you, whether it's to the altar, to pray, to speak to you, or something that needs to be shared with this congregation, or someone who needs to come and receive prayer. God, I... I just pray we'd say yes to your call. In your name we pray. Amen.